So I, I want to suggest to you this morning that all of us, in some way or another, are searching for the promised land. Think about that for a moment. The promised land is where we want to end up. It's paradise. Now, you might not use that language, promised land, but I guarantee that you have a promised land going on in your heart in your mind, something that your thought world kind of swirls around and you think about. It might not be evident to anybody else except you, or you might have shared it. But I think if you watch your thoughts or the propensity to think over and over again, it'll be revealed to you. Our promised lands are often a location or a station or a state in life, and usually that location that station or that state in life is off in the future. It's off in the distance, right? So see if you have ever had something like this go on in your life. If you think, when I get finished with blank, everything will smooth out. When I find the right blank, man, I'm going to be at peace. When I have enough blank money yeah <laughs> that's no lie everything's going to be fine i'm not going to have any more problems right so here's an important question that's more individual in nature and it's important for us to think about as we kind of take this journey we're still in the early part of 2020 what is our promised land spiritually as people trying to follow jesus and love god and love mother what is our promised land at Hyde Park, where we're going, where are we heading together? And how the heck do we get there? That's a challenge. And we'll get to it in a little while. Um, but getting to whatever promised land we have in our right, I mean, I've had times in my life where if I just finish this or if I just make X amount more money a year, or if I just do this, everything's going to be better, right? And I, I make that a promised land. We all have those individual things, but I want to suggest to you today, spiritually, that God is calling us to a promised land. So where is it? And I also want to suggest to you, as, as we travel to the promised land, just like the people we've been reading about in Exodus, we're going to go to the wilderness, to get to the promised land, we've got to go through the wilderness. And that's where the Israelites were today as they, they're at Mount Sinai, as they heard the story, uh, heard, received the Ten Commandments, right? They're in the wilderness. They're just a few chapters removed, what we talked about last week, after their 400-year enslavement. And by God's grace, miraculously, they were led through the Red Sea by Moses and freed from Pharaoh's chains, and they are experiencing the, for the first time, freedom. Their first taste of it. And they're in new territory. Now, some of these 2.5 million folks that they, some scholars believe have never been outside of Egypt. They're in new territory. They have never lived outside slavery. But now they've got freedom. And they are in unwelcome and unfamiliar territory. They don't know how to live with one another without somebody telling them what to do and what not to do. And they didn't have everything they needed. But they knew where they were headed. Where were they headed? Canaan. The promised land. 
right? Because back in Genesis, God told Abraham, I'm going to give you these things. When you, read the, when you read the Old Testament, these things are going to pop up over and over again. Land, the promised land, Canaan. I'm going to give you descendants, as many as the stars. I'm going to give you an abundant blessings, and I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to give you protection so that you can be a blessing to whom? All nations, right? So remember that as you read. So they knew where they were going. They were going to Canaan. And it's just 250 miles away from the Red Sea to Canaan. P.S. Uh, as a church, we're going to Israel in January 2021. Stay tuned for that. But it's only 250 miles from the Red Sea to Canaan. But the shortest route wasn't the best route. Actually, it would have got them killed. If they went in the straight line 250 miles, they would have encountered the Philistines first, maybe second, and they would have encountered hot, arid desert that's the most um, desolate, and they would have died on their way there. You see, here's the fundamental truth that's revealed in our lives, and I think through the Exodus story. To get to the promised land, we will find ourselves in the wilderness. In the wilderness, both individually and as a church, and I would say as a denomination right now, and I would say as a Christian, universal Christians, it's an epic st struggle in the wilderness, and we really don't like it, do we? We don't. And neither did the Israelites. The road to their promised land wasn't a straight line. They wandered for 40 years. And they had to begin to learn how to trust and rely on God. They, and what did they do? They do what all of us do. They complained. And they struggled. And they questioned God why it... I was going to say something else. Why... It was so hard. They questioned God. Why was it so hard? Which then made me uh, think of one of my favorite bands. This was a total stinker in the chapel. But I think some of you might know the band. All right? Didn't work in the chapel too well. Only one person really knew who, the, who I was talking about. Guns and Roses? All right, great. I, I was like, I'm not taking it out. I don't care. I'm not taking it out deal with it so that's one of my favorites bands I know it's kind of cheesy whatever but what uh, one of the lines in one of their most prophetic songs is called civil war okay I don't need no civil war Carrie can you guys play that uh, I don't need no civil war but here's the line that jumped out at me it said you can't trust freedom when it's not in your hands and everybody is fighting for their promised land and then it goes back to the course you see, the Israelites couldn't trust freedom because it didn't seem like they were free. It didn't seem like they had it in their hands. And they began fighting with the promised land. And I want to suggest to you, sometimes that's us too. We accept Jesus in our life and we pray, but it doesn't feel like we're free. We still have issues. We're in the wilderness. We go through divorces. We have difficult relationships. We lose jobs. Things go up and down and up and down and we don't feel like we're headed to the promised land. So here's how the uh, Israelites uh, fussed at Moses. 
when they were hungry. I'm going to try to do it. Can you put that slide up? It's the Exodus 16 one. There you go. If I want you, I'm going to do it in a different voice so you'll pay attention. If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Second, so that was hungry. Then later on, this is Exodus 17, thirsty. Why did you bring us out in Egypt to kill us and our children and the livestock with thirst? And that's what happens to us sometimes. Maybe not that drastic, but we're like, come on, man. Come on. But you see, here's the thing. God provides in the wilderness. They followed a giant cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you don't know the story, just read it. When they were hungry, God provided them, giving them just enough to eat through manna and quail. And when they were thirsty, God provided water for them to drink through a rock. And when they were attacked by Amalek, God protected them and they won the battle. You see, as they journeyed in this desert, learning to trust and failing and screwing up like we do, God gave them one of the most important gifts of all at Mount Sinai, what we heard here, which was the Ten Commandments. They're also known as the churchy word Decalogue. That also means Ten Commandments. You'll read that in the, in the Bible and the readings. And it provided the guardrails for a community fighting for their promised land that didn't feel like they had it in their hands. So let's look at them. Before you put it up, how many of you think you could state the Ten Commandments? I was going to put it like Jay Leno's thing where he went around the walking thing to do the Zeros. And then I was going to do John Stewart who was with a politician who was real fussy about the Ten Commandments and he asked him what they were and he couldn't recite them. But we didn't have time. Anyway, Google is pretty good. So here are the, here are the, 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 the Ten Commandments. Through the questions, the complaining, and the fighting, the community really needed these. And so the first four have to do your, with your relationship with God. You'll have no other gods before me. You'll, you shall make no idols. You shall not take the uh, Lord's name in vain. I know you guys are all great at that. And then uh, the ones that most of us don't do very well is keeping the Sabbath holy and not working and things like that, right? And I'm really not great at that. And then the last, the, the last ones are our relationship with others. So it had our relationship with God and then our relationship with others. Honor your mother and father. That's hard to do for some folks who don't have one or have a difficult relationship. You shall not murder, right? And then Jesus made that one way harder later on in the New Testament. Um, you shall not commit adultery the, on the surface. We all know that, but Jesus made it way harder, right? If Saying you can't even look at somebody else, right? You shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, and you shall not covet. Have you even ever heard a sermon that you shouldn't covet? You've never heard one, right? Because everything's based on it that we do, right? We want everything that everyone else has and phones and, you know, right? Kids, I know you're at school and I say, I, I know you're at school and you say, well, they get to do, the, my friend gets to, got this new iPhone 11. They actually got the pro. It's got the three, they've got the three ones, right? We all do it. We all do it. You see, these 10 set a foundation for the world. They set morals and they set guardrails for the world. It was, it was, they're important and 
beautiful, and they're still important today. And they helped the Israelites as they journeyed toward the prom promised land. But here's the question. What does this mean to us? I guarantee nine times, uh, a, a lot of folks here aren't going to memorize the Ten Commandments, okay? They're important. You're following some of them. And um, you see, it offers some truth to us, this Exodus story. And here's the first way it does. Is before the law was grace. What I mean by that. So here's the slavery of sin and death, which is churchy words. And what this means is broken relationship with God. God restores that through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and offers us freedom. The promised land to which we're going is heaven here and now and later. It's both. And if somebody were to ask me, okay, well, what, what promised land are we going to as a church and or as individuals trying to follow Jesus? And I would say this, is our call is to reflect the image of Jesus in the world here now and participate as a group as Christians in the transformation of the world here and now. Now I'm not throwing away a later either because I believe in heaven after you die. But our call, the promised land to which we journey is heaven after we die. But we are, we are focused here and now to reflect Jesus' love more and more and more and more. More and more and more and more. So here's my question for you in 2020. We're a month in. Are you more like Jesus this year than you were last January? Are you becoming more loving towards those closest around you? Are you becoming more loving to yourself? Are you becoming more loving to your neighbor? Are you loving those people you don't want to love more and more? Are you becoming more like Jesus here and now and are you finding your role to eradicate the brokenness and oppression and evil in all their many forms how you doing on that it's an important question so here's the thing it's all about love to get there and to become more like Jesus we have to go in our own little wilderness whatever that is just like Jesus did and the wilderness is really really hard we can't skip it we can't just go the 250 miles from the Red Sea to Canaan it takes time to continue to allow God to grow so there aren't any shortcuts and it's annoying but the quest for our community has some real realities as we experience the wilderness, as all of you will or are or had in the past, have in the past. And here they are. The first is, in the wilderness, you're gonna feel frustrated. You're just gonna be frustrated in the wilderness. We have experienced that as a church, too, at different times. Some of you heard a sermon we, taught, we preached earlier last year about in the 50s when, when some members of the church didn't wanna include our brothers and sisters who are African-American. Right? We had the Methodist, a church, Methodist Episcopal Church South many, many years ago. Right? 
as a denomination, we're wrestling right now over inclusion, right? We, we find ourselves in, in a church, both at, or a denomination or the church universal in the wilderness sometimes, and it's hard. And in the wilderness, it's gonna be hard for us to trust God. So the first is frustrated. The second is that you're gonna struggle to trust God and remember the promises that God has for you. Do you believe that God calls you by your name? And that loves you like you're the only one. You're chosen and you're promised that God will never leave you. Do you believe that? It's hard to believe it in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, we need guardrails. And lastly, we need spiritual leaders that will guide us. All those things are hard. And the wilderness can feel like a punishment or God removing favor, but it's also rich with learning and growth. And God has given us some tools for the journey. And just like God gave them some tools for the journey. I'll get to those in a minute, but I want to tell you a story. And uh, I assume one person here will know who I'm talking about because he's a friend of ours. A mentor of mine is an artist and a poet, and he's a psychologist too. And he's creative and wise. And in retirement, he's been able to, he's been blessed to travel extensively. And on those travels, he never misses an opportunity, I make fun of him for this, um, to visit museums, art exhibits, and gardens. Fills his soul, just loves it. And some years ago, I found myself in my own kind of wilderness, both as an individual, but also in ministry. I was really hitting some, some roadblocks. Things were really, really hard in my life and in, in, in the way that I was called to serve. Nothing was going well. I wanted some particular things to happen, all of which I believe God had called me to. And, and God had. And I prayed and I worked and I went. Yet at every tur- turn, I felt like I was hitting my head against a wall. So frustrated. So frustrated. I couldn't get to what I, what I pictured would be the promised land. And you know what I did? I complained and I questioned and I wrestled, just like the people mostly in my own head. So I called him and he compassionately listened to me. And like any good mentor does that's trying to guide you in the, in the ways to truth, instead of giving me advice, he told me a story which I found completely irritating and annoying. Shut up. But here's how it went. So he went out to this amazing garden out in California. And it was just like, you know, it's well known. I don't know the name of it. But it's like this beautiful, amazing thing. And it was curated. And they had a guide that would take you. It was like fancy stuff, right? And so they went to this this garden. And the guide... um, took them around this, this garden. It was a large garden, and it had a stream in it, and it had pathways around it, and he took them all around the pathways, and, and he was explaining how uh, each flower and the design and the architecture, blah, blah, all, the, all that stuff, right? It was, it was nice. And he was leading, and he said, I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention to the design of this as you travel through. And, he, and, he, and he, they went to the end, and it was windy, and they followed this stream, and it was kind of this got to the end and the guy said the guide said to 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 my friend 
he said, uh, uh, did you notice anything? What, what, what did you notice about the route and the path to the end? And he said some things, but uh, he nicely said, you're wrong. Uh, the, the guide said that to him. He said that the, the garden and the path in the garden was built intentionally in a very windy, windy pattern. He said, why? And he said, because the designer believed that a straight path from A to B only produces evil. And it's the windy path that brings life and truth and love. You see, God gave the Israelites the cloud and the pillar of fire. And God gives followers of Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit. We don't get to see it out here like, oh, wow, there's God. I'm going to follow, right? But in, in, our, in our heart and our mind, God gives us little hints, gives us little people, gives us a, a word from the scripture, gives us a word in the prayer that you've got the Holy Spirit to guide you in the wilderness as you're searching for the promised land. G, um, God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments as the guides to living. Jesus made those harder and then shortened them down to two that I think you can remember, which is loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself, including your enemies, the hard part. That's how we live together, to love God and love others more and more and more and more. And God gave the Israelites leaders. And guess what? God gives us and you leaders too. Some of you, are looking for mentors to be led. And some of you need to step up and lead others in community. There are mentors in your myths. You just need to find them. You see, what I need to remember when I read this is God brought the Israelites out of slavery to freedom and leading them to the promised land. And that isn't just a story back a number of years ago. The story is true for us. God has led us from the chains of slavery and sin and is inviting us on the journey to the promised land. And you've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the greatest commandment. And we've got each other. God has given us everything that we need. Let's pray together. God of light and of love, we give thanks for these people who got up in the morning and came from Gasparilla. We pray for all those who missed today that you would love them and comfort them and lead them to you. But remind us that if we're in a, if we're in a wilderness right now that you're never gonna leave us because you give us the Holy Spirit, you give us love and you, get, you show us the way to live. And there are people who can be around us to help us as we reflect your love now and we are more fully with you when our journey is complete. It is in Christ's name we pray, amen.